in honor of those who um, gave their lives um, so that you and I can meet in this church building in freedom, so that you and I can have freedom in this country. So we're grateful for that, but we also celebrate the one who gave his life, imputed his obedience to us. We took our sin to him so that we can have eternal freedom, not just freedom here on earth. So we're grateful uh, for you being here. Remember, our mission is to bring glory to God by loving Him the most, by loving others as Jesus has loved us, and by making disciples of all nations. Um, we've been looking at for a couple of weeks and talked about it in Sunday school, about really our offering, one of the offerings that we give to God that's holy and acceptable is other people. Other people that we're building up, that we're encouraging, we give them as an offering to God. We're not just a warm body to fill a position or to babysit. We're literally bringing people to Christ as an offering to Him. Think about that as you think about our mission to love Him the most, to love Him, love others as Jesus loved us and make disciples of all nations. Our vision for that to happen, for us to grow in that area because none of us are perfect, right? Some days we get up, we don't love God very much. It's just the truth of it. We don't love Him as much. Sometimes, sometimes we get up, we don't love people. We just want to be a hermit on a mountain somewhere and not even have to see anybody. But we grow in these areas, I believe, by joining in this worship group, being here in this time with each other and caring and loving each other and singing together and, 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 be, and responding to His Word. By, by being in a smaller group where you're known and cared for and you hear other thoughts. You know, every time I, I do a, a, a small group that discusses kind of the message that I preach or going to preach, I always think, well, boy, I'm going to change that before I get there. Or I always think, boy, I wish I'd have had that meeting before I preached that message. I would have changed some things about that message. Because the reality is, is that all of us, are smarter than any one of us. And no one of us is smarter than all of us together. God uses all of our gifts to make it happen. And we believe, I believe, I've been doing discipleship groups before I ever knew they were discipleship groups, and that's just small groups of men with men, small groups of women with women, holding each other accountable, growing holding each other to the Word of God, praying together, openly confessing what's going on in your life. I've been doing those things most of my Christian life because they were taught to me and I've been doing them ever since. And uh, we call them discipleship groups here. But if you're not in one of those and you want to be in one of those, if you'd let me know, I believe that's where some real growth happens and then having a place of service. All right, let's get to the message. Today, the title of today's message is Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. We're going to finish Romans 7, 7, 13 through 25. Listen, next week we will begin Romans 8. Do you know what Romans 8 is? Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the greatest book that has ever been written in the world. Period. Romans 8 is the greatest chapter of the greatest book that has ever been written. I don't know how many Sundays it will take us 
to get through chapter 8, but I guarantee you it's not going to be one. Okay? Guarantee you that. So I'm looking forward to that, but let's finish chapter 7. First thought that I have, let's read verse 13. I want to read it in the NLT. The NLT reads verse 13 like this. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see, watch this, so we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. We talked about this sin, right? This sin that just causes us to do things that we didn't plan on or expect to do. This sin. But what I want to take us to is this new thought. It's not a new thought. It shouldn't be a new thought. But I want to bring us to this thought this morning. Guys, this evil, this sin that he's talking about in verse 13 is in us. It's in us. We don't have to go looking for it. We, we don't have to encounter something that causes it. This sin is in us. Now, some of you are looking at me saying, Preacher, now, wait a minute. I don't know that sin is in us. Look at some of these passages with me. Look at what Jesus said about it in Mark 7, verse 21. Jesus said this, For from within, out of the heart of man... Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and adultery. Not, not outside. Adultery, adultery doesn't happen because of the way a woman dresses. Can I say that? Adultery doesn't happen because of the way a woman dresses. Adultery happens because of a desire inside of a man. Adultery happens because of a desire inside of a woman. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't dress modestly, but I'm just saying it's already in there. Sin is in us. Let's continue. Let's continue this out. Look at how James said it. The brother of Jesus didn't come to be a believer until after the resurrection. Fair enough, right? I mean, how could you convince your brother you were the Son of God? You'd have to raise from the dead, right? I mean, how else would you do it, right? You'd have to do something drastic for him to believe. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. It's not outside, guys. It's not something we're going to encounter. It's not something we're going to come across. It's not something that we put ourselves near. It's something that's in us. It's here. It's present. Look at some of these verses in the Scripture we're looking at today. In in Romans chapter 7, look at verse 18, what he said. Paul said this in verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, That is in my flesh, because he knows the Spirit of God is good. But in my flesh, there's nothing good dwells in me. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. In me, nothing good dwells. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Now if I do what I 
do not want. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells where? Oh, in us. Sin that dwells in us. Listen, he didn't stop there. Look at verse 21. He said in verse 21, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Guess where the evil is? Nobody wants to admit that, do they? Chris, wait a minute. I am not evil. There's some evil in you. There is some evil in you. And there is some evil in me. Listen, uh, we listen. No, don't throw that. There ain't no evil in me. Yes, there is. There's some sin. There's some evil in us. Do, do you realize? Oh, hear me. That's why the change of a location never gives you a new start, because you just take it with you. You can't run from it. It's in us. Now, so much so, would you think about these two verses, as we think about sin being in us, this strong influence in our lives, look at what John said in 1 John 1.9. Notice how he says this. If we confess our sins, John did not say if we sin. Oh, it's taking you all a minute to catch that. John did not say if we sin. John said if we confess our sin. So what was John saying? You're going to sin. You're going to sin. You know why? Because there's some evil in you. There's some junk in you. There's some ugliness in you and in me. So he says, it ain't about whether we sin or not. It's about what do we do with it when we do. We confess it. What does it mean to confess it? It means to agree with God about it. It means to lament over it. To agree with God. To say, God, this is what I've done. This is where I failed. This is where what was in me overtook what I wanted to do. We'll read some of that in just a minute that Paul writes. This is, where it, this is where I got up today. I got up this week and I decided I'm not going to practice the spiritual practices. I'm kind of getting tired of doing that stuff. I'm going to do my own thing today. And guess what happens that day? You'll do your own thing. And you know what will happen at the end of that day? You'll wish you hadn't done your own thing. There'll be regret, and you'll be saying, why? Why would I go down that road? I know better than to go down this road. But here I am, doing my own thing. We confess it, we acknowledge it, we agree. Look at Galatians 6.1, that's us personally. Look at Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, okay, if anybody's caught, 
Somebody else, it's not us, but somebody else is being caught. Somebody else is being trapped. Somebody else is being ambushed. Somebody else, what was in them, listen, it didn't happen outside of them. It happened inside of them. And inside of them, what happened? What was this transgression caught them? This transgression influenced them. This transgression got a hold of them. What does he say? You who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Oh. You want to know if you're spiritual or not? Ask yourself, do I restore, do I restore people or do I condemn people? Am I about restoration or am I about condemnation? You see, those that are spiritual do what? Restore one who's been overtaken. Now, this is what God gave me this week on this very thing for my personal life, for somebody in my life that I love. Chris, you don't know how long it's going to take. You see, in my mind, I want to have one conversation and restore somebody. God was saying to me, you're in a restoration project that might take years. You're in a restoration time that's not going to happen because you've had one conversation. You're going to have to continue in gentleness and love and truth and walk them through. Now, let's move on. In verses 14 through 20, there is a debate among Bible scholars on whether Paul was talking about a life before he was a believer or was Paul talking about a life as a believer. So there's some debate. I want you to know there's some debate. I'm going to give you three reasons why I believe that Paul is very specifically talking about his personal life as he writing this letter. Okay, three reasons. Reason number one is this. Is the verb tenses changed? In verses 1 through 13, if you'll see, Paul used phrases like this. We have died to sin. We are freed from the law. We are married to Christ. When he gets to verses 14 through 20, in which I will read, we will read together in just a few moments. When we get there, he says things like, like this. Let me get there. He said, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. So now, I do. He's now, I, it's very present tense. From 14 to the end of the chapter, Paul is very present tense. In the first 13 verses, he's very past tense. 
I think that Paul is saying, my life now is a struggling fight. My life now has sin in me. My life now has evil in me. My life now is a battle between two beings trying to figure out what we're going to do today. And sometimes I lose the battle. I think Paul might would even say here that I lose the battle more often than I would care to admit. Two more reasons. Verse 22. Verse 22 says this. says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Listen, a lost person does not delight in the law of God. It is a burden to them. It is believers who delight in the law of God. Second reason. Third reason, I mean. Verse 24. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's acknowledging his sinfulness. Most unbelievers will not acknowledge their sinfulness, but always say, well, I'm, I'm better than some of those people that go to New Horizons. I'm pretty good, and I know some of those people. If they're going to make it, surely I'm going to make it. They will not acknowledge their sinfulness. A believer acknowledges their sinfulness. So I believe that without question, Paul is there. Now let's read these verses together, verses 14 through 20. Let's read them all together. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He's in the very present tense. Get that. And, and notice what he's saying. I'm doing the very thing I hate. I don't even like this. I hate it. He said, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Okay? It's in me. You know, there used to be that thing that we used to blame everything on the devil. Well, it's not the devil really, it's you. It's not the devil really, it's me. We just are a people that always want to blame our junk on somebody else. And we need to just own it and say, hey, this is desires within me. This is not desires within somebody else. This is me. This is what's in me. Now watch. As we, as we continue. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to, I keep on doing. I keep doing this same thing. Listen, this. now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Oh, can I ask you this question? Does this whole morning make you feel defeated? <laughs> when I studied this, I thought, God, where's the victory in Jesus here? This makes me feel like we're losing the battle and can't win. And as I had begun to, as I think about back going back to chapter 6, I've been feeling like we've been gaining some victory. 
Like, man, we're, we're, we're getting it. Like, we realize that we're dead to sin, alive to God. We present ourselves to God in the spiritual practices. And He does, the Spirit does in us what willpower can never do. And we're giving ourselves to Him. And then I learned that I'm not married to the law, but I'm married to Jesus. So I offer myself to Him as a spiritual sacrifice. I build others up as a spiritual sacrifice. I offer others as a spiritual sacrifice. I walk in love as a spiritual sacrifice. I'm generous as a spiritual sacrifice. And I endure hardships. As a spiritual sacrifice. I I was gaining ground. And then I read this what Paul says. And it almost made me want to say. Well just forget it Paul. I'm done. Just forget it. What's the use? But would you notice something. About him. First of all. Before you feel too long. Like you've been kicked in the stomach. Like your balloon's been deflated. It feels hopeless. It feels like, why do I try? Before we get stuck in that defeated position, would you think about the language Paul uses first? He uses the word I 26 times. I, 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 I. 26 times. In those few verses, he uses the word I. Why is that important? He's talking about his own ability. He's describing, listen, and I want you to get this, he's describing a struggle. He's describing a fight, a war. But listen, he is not accepting defeat. He is not dead. He's still fighting. But he recognizes that man, oh wretched man that I am, in verse 24 as we read that, he recognizes the sinfulness in himself and the inability to willpower his way through it. To overcome it in his strength. To just grip on and say, I'm a man and I can do this. He gets to the end of it and he says, God, at the end of the day, I'm wretched. So who's going to deliver me from this? How am I going to get past this defeated feeling after we've been talking about such victory? Look in verse 25. Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm a wretched man. Who's going to deliver me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. I'm there. I'm giving it to Him. But i got to know that my flesh, my flesh is serving the law of sin. My flesh wants what it wants. My flesh desires it. But I'm serving God. Now, watch this. I think Paul wanted to teach us something In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 10. Look at 7 and 8. Watch this. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Watch this sentence right here. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The surpassing power belongs to who? 
Not I 26 times. Not I 26 times, but God. It belongs to Him. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now watch verse 8 as he begins to describe this struggle. We are perplexed in every way, but we're not crushed. Man, we've we've been afflicted, but we're not crushed. We're not done. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. I know, I may not know the answer, but my God knows the answer and He's going to see us through this. I might be beat down and I might not know, but I might be in despair, but God's never in despair. God's never on His throne saying, Whoa, what are we going to do about Chris's life? It's a little messy. He is never there. He always knows exactly what He's going to do in my life. He knows exactly. 9 and 10. We're persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down. But we're not destroyed. Listen, we might get knocked down but we're getting back up. Why? Not because of the 26 eyes but because of the surpassing power that belongs to Christ. He's getting us up. Watch. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Watch, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Can we get this this morning? The gospel is not just to get us out of hell and get us to heaven. The gospel is to empower us every day of our life so that we continue to kill the flesh that wants to rise up against our spiritual man and have his way. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel is not something we begin and start something else. The gospel is life that we, it's the pool that we dive into and swim the rest of our lives. What did Philippians 4.13 say? I can do, I might can do this, but I can't do that. I might, is that what it says? What can you do through Christ? What what can you do through you? Not one thing, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that fires us up, right? That's a pep talk that gets us out of our defeat and victory. But may I remind you, that we got to know how to practice for the battle. Can I give you a, a, a pep? We, we, we can give you a pep talk, but the pep talk may lead us to defeat. So I'm just going to remind you again quickly this morning: How do we prepare for the battle that's happening within our flesh and soul? How did Jesus prepare? When Jesus was in the garden. We're not in the garden. Let's back up to the wilderness. When Jesus was in the wilderness before he battled Satan, how did Jesus prepare? With spiritual practices. What were they? This is what went on in that time. Bible engagement. When he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, there was Bible engagement. Listen, I I know you say, I get tired of hearing that preacher. Listen, this book is alive and well, and we've got to make it a part of our lives. 
And you say, I don't get what it says. Keep reading it and get what you do see. Just keep. It's the power. Bible engagement. Prayer. Don't you know Jesus was praying in those days? Don't you know Jesus was fasting in those days? Don't you know Jesus had a time of silence and solitude? Now, serving and sharing his faith went on with the rest of his ministry, and I've just added them to us. But when he was doing battle, when he was preparing for the enemy, these were the practices he was doing. He was not saying, I'm a man, bring Satan on, I'm going to defeat him. No, he was saying, I've got to prepare for this by becoming as weak as I possibly can. I'm going to weaken my flesh and I'm going to strengthen my spiritual man. I'm going to feed him with Bible engagement. I'm going to feed him with prayer. I'm going to feed him with silence and solitude. And I'm going to deny my flesh the food that it needs. I'm going to weaken one in order that I may strengthen the other. In order that when I do battle with Satan at the end of this thing, I will be in the best shape of my life. And he won't stand a chance. And he didn't. He lost. You and I have to practice for the battle. Practice for the battle. And then I wanted to share this with you. Not only do we practice for the battle, but we learned about the marriage, right? The marriage that we're married to Christ. How do you honor your spouse? Let's think about some ways that we honor Christ today with the spiritual sacrifices. Offering ourselves to God. We see this, guys. This, this makes complete sense to those of who are in relationships. A husband and a wife offer themselves to each other. Th- that means... Matt, can I share what you told me about your... Because that was really good. Can I share that about that? Okay, I don't want to cause a marital fight, but I don't... <laughs> okay. Good. Well, what's Sandra wanting to know what it is? <laughs> okay. So, so, so this is what Matt said. He said this makes perfect sense. He said, because my wife cares nothing about going to the barn with me and milking cows. But it's what I care about, and she will come there. But my wife likes to go to Dollywood three or four times a year, and I care nothing about that place and don't care if I ever see it again. But I go... Because she wants to. So we give ourselves over to do some things that the other one don't really want to do. But because we love. So we offer ourselves to Christ in this way and say, God, I'm here. What would that be? Look at a few of them that he would say to us is that. How about building others up? How about building others up? How about making it a point that someone that's in your, it comes into your contact, into your way, that they leave being encouraged or have learned something or or feeling better about the situation. Refreshed. Building someone up. What about the, the people or the offerings to God? What about walking in love? I I got this word. I've been using it, Tammy, since you kind of shared it one Wednesday night. I can't get away from it. But Tammy was talking about this. We walk in love, and it's just so right that we posture ourselves to do this. 
Because when we posture ourselves, see, I can go into food line and have a list and say an agenda, and I do it often. I'm terrible at it. I have an agenda, and I got to get this done. I got to get this, and I got to get back to here. When I need to posture myself that when I come into food line, that I'm saying, who can I love in here? Who can I be an encouragement to in here? What about on Sunday morning? Who can I love? Who can I be an encouragement to this morning? Be generous. Endure hardship. All of those spiritual sacrifices to God, the spiritual practices, we do these, why? Because we're preparing for battle and we do them to honor the one who loves us. Would you note, please note the spiritual sacrifices. That's really what we do with other people. Every other God in the world that somebody has created is about them offering something up to that God. I don't have enough food to feed my family, but I'm going to go place some food on a statue and let it sit there and the birds eat it. I'm going to throw my infant in this river because the God said that He would bless my life if I would. Notice that our God, that's not what He set this up. The sacrifices for our God, He's saying from us, if you want to honor me, you want to offer sacrifices, it's about other people. It's about building them up. It's about being generous to help them. It's about uh, them being offerings to God. Let me bring this to a close. When we focus on our part, will you get this? When we practice the spiritual practices, then the Spirit will do in us what willpower can never achieve. I love the way that Mark Pig said it this way. This week, Mark Pig said this statement. I can't get it out of my head. He said, man, he said, when we work, God always outworks us. I can begin a little bit, but God always does way more than I thought He was going to do. He always outworks us. We do our little part. God just does an abundance in our life. So let's come back to that defeated part in closing. When we personally lose the battle with sin, what do we do? When it happens. Now some of you all ain't figured out you've lost the battle. Some of us know too well we lose the battle too often. But what do we do when we lose that battle? What do we do when, when that evil that's inside of us rages in a way that, man, the spiritual man just doesn't have a chance in that moment? He just loses. What do we do? We lament. We confess. We repent. But we should not be shocked and we should not quit. But we should get up and keep moving forward. Why? Because Christ's obedience has been given to your account. And your sin, all of your sin, before, after, and forever has been nailed to the cross of Calvary. We just keep getting up. You have a friend. You have a friend that's caught 
in a mess, a family member that's caught in a battle? What should be our response? Lament. This means to mourn, to be sorrowful, and then restore them gently. And remember those words I told you. I believe this. Don't expect one conversation to restore. Expect it to be a long time of restoration. Worship team, will you come? Father, we love you. Father, we thank you that in Christ Jesus we have victory. We're not defeated. We're ultimately not defeated. We're going to be knocked down. We're going to be perplexed. We're going to be forsaken. There's some things we're going to... But your surpassing power will always keep us forevermore. God, and as we prepare for battle, as Jesus prepared for battle, that our lives will forever be changed. Father, may we honor Him with our lives. Honor Him as our spouse, Father, as our husband. Father, we love you. Use this worship time. Use this response time for all of us to get up and say, man, I am not defeated. I have victory in Jesus. Let's go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You need to come and pray. You come and pray. You need to come talk to me. Come and talk to me. Whatever your need is this morning. Listen, this is your time. What I believe is the most important time of our service is how we respond to God. We respond to Him during this time.
Before we do this last song, um, Bill Jones and Tammy Teague, I think both are wanting to join the church. Bill's going to join by baptism. Tammy's going to join by letter, right, from another church. If you want to, uh, I have a motion to accept Tammy Teague and uh, back here in the back, and Bill Jones too, in a second. And all in favor say, Amen. Listen. Bill Jones, is he wants to share something. He's got a confession to make. And he wants to come and share what's on his heart. And that doesn't mean you have to, Tammy. That doesn't mean anybody else has to that joins. But if you want to, you can. But come on, Bill. And I love you, brother. I do have a confession to make. Uh, I've worked in Campbell County for a long time. But I just moved here last year. And uh, when I moved here, I had a friend from Scott County, where I'm from, who introduced me to somebody who changed my life forever and it was Chad Sweat and before I ever laid eyes on Chad he sent uh, my, my friend sent me his phone number and sent my phone number to Chad and, and before I ever talked to him I got a text message and it didn't say you know let's have coffee let's have dinner it said come to my church and I blew him off I said uh, you know we'll see and he kept on come to my church and I was like, eh, you know we'll see and finally I said I would come just to shut him up and when I was in, in court I was talking to some other attorneys and I told them I'm going to church this weekend and they said, where are you going? I said, New Horizon Baptist Church. And they said, the pastor of that church is in the hallway. And I thought that was crazy. And I go out and the only person in the hallway is Chris Thomas sitting on a bench by himself. I said, this must be the guy. And I introduced myself to him. And you know, I said something recently that sometimes God talks to us very subtly and sometimes he's very loud. And that day it was loud. And every time I think about that day that I get cold chills. So I come to church here for the first time, and the first person I meet is Larry Tannis. 
and then I met I met Christy and I met Al Truitt and I met Arlene and I met Cray and they were the nicest people I'd ever met in my life but I had been a defense attorney for a long time and I've seen the worst things that human beings can do to each other what they do to themselves and it makes you cynical over time and I seen that and what I want to confess I, I thought a lot of what was going on here was fake and it, I, I'm embarrassed and ashamed to say that but that's just what I saw in human beings when I approached people. That's just where I was in my life. And I came here week after week, and I've learned that there's nothing fake about anybody here. And I'm, I'm so sorry, and I'm, I wanted to confess that to everybody. And, and I just love everybody here at this church. And coming every week and listening to Chris talk and give his messages, it, it changes my life more every Sunday. And I'm just very proud to say that I'm a, a member of New Horizon Baptist Church. Thank you. Did you want to say anything, David? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, guys, we're not defeated because today, as always, we take communion during the last song. That does what? Proclaims our victory. <laughs> victory in Him. We're not defeated. Man, we have Him. We have Him, and He's keeping us, and He is keeping us through it all. So as we sing this last song together, man, take communion when you're ready to do so. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing of his cleansing power we made the lame to walk again and cause the blind to see and then i cried dear jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow jesus came and brought to me the victory oh victory in jesus my savior Sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. 
streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is to him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood amen <laughs> It's a good day, isn't it? Will you all do something for me? There's a bunch of people. It ain't just Christy and Larry. It's Liz Allen and Alan, Charlene, and different ones. Would you give up for our coffee, our donuts, our friendliness as we come in the building? And, and, and what about the sound booth and the worship team? Are they not just incredible? Yeah. Guys, I hope you have a great memorial. Hey, wait a minute. I got to do one more thing. Miss Josie's birthday's today. Yeah, right here. 91 today. 91 today. Still, still practicing coming to worship. Been doing it a long time, amen? Won't we sing happy birthday to her, guys? Can we do that? We'll do it, Big Josh. Lead us out, and then when we're done with that, you can go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Miss Josie. Happy birthday to you. All right, guys.